Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Andrea. We are bringing you the Real Moms Real Life Podcast, your guide to self-empowerment and taking on each day as your best self. This is episode number 31. We have Dr. Aaron Weissman back again today to talk about sleep. If you would like to submit a question, head over to realmomsreallife.com. Don't forget, all of the resources on this podcast are meant for information purposes only and not to be confused for medical advice or treatment. Now, I would like to still do our icebreaker segment this week of our Real Mom Moment of the Week, and since I didn't tell Aaron or Andrea that we were still going to do it today, I will start with mine. So basically, this is our segment where we talk about kind of our mom fail moment for the week, although there's no such thing as failing at momhood. You're always trying your best and learning from our mistakes and errors. So my Real Mom Moment of the Week was a couple nights ago. We are in the throes of nighttime potty training, so getting my daughter to go to the bathroom right before she goes to sleep is essential because that's, like, what sets us up for the rest of the night. And she was so tired, and I didn't realize how tired she was until she threw a screaming fit that she didn't want to sit on the potty, so I held her, and then she fell asleep in my arms. And it was so sweet, but, like... I had to get her to go to the bathroom. And when you're in that, like, just falling, we're talking about sleep today, right? I mean, you're in that just falling asleep mode, you get it really cranky if someone starts to pull your pants down. So that was my <laughs> moment of learning of, like, okay, if she's this tired, I should have gotten her to go a little earlier and all would have been fine. And it worked out well. My husband came in and we, like, took turns trying to, like, calm her down and finally got her to go. But it was it was a rough, uh, it took about a half an hour to, to successfully get her to use the bathroom when she could have been sleeping for half an hour, which I just feel so guilty about. But, oh, <laughs> so that's my moment. <clears throat> it happens. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, we're not there yet. Anywhere close to that. Erin, uh, do you have one off the top of your head? Shoot, girls. I got three kids. I mom fail at least on triple time. Uh, my probably good mom fail moment is I just had my oldest graduate kindergarten he is super excited about being a first grader so on the first day of summer I took the two littles to daycare so that we could have like a mommy and me day you know thinking that's like first day of summer we're gonna just like start it off and like rock this world and do something fun Well, unfortunately, I had worked the night before in the ER, and again, we're talking about sleep, and so I maybe had like four hours of sleep before we did like our mommy and me day. It it was not the day that I was envisioning. I totally mom failed because, um, you know, I had wanted to do something fun and exciting, And um, we did. We had a few, like, good small moments that I am relishing in. But we went to lunch at our favorite little um, sports bar, and it just started, like, torrential raining. And I'm like, first day of summer, and we're probably going to have a tornado. And my son went crazy. So he is like a future meteorologist, paleontologist, every kind of sciencey thing anyway. He has got my science brain and he just totally freaked out in the middle of the restaurant and I just kind of sat there in the booth and was like, "Okay, 
we're going to be fine. There's probably not a tornado. It's just raining really hard. And eventually it was to the point that we were just sobbing so bad about dying in a tornado in the middle of our favorite wings joint that we just had to go to the bathroom and just hang out in the handicap stall. But you know what? It was a fail, but it was also a success moment because we definitely had bonding over um, the statistics on tornadoes that I was definitely Googling in the bathroom to reassure him that the likelihood of a tornado is very, very small. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I love that it turned into a bonding moment. I feel like yeah. all of my, like, real mom moments are, end up at being, like, when I get the best cuddle time. So they're kind of worth it. <laughs> nice. Uh, mine was yesterday. I had – I do, um, like, 20-minute consult calls. And yesterday this call just turned into a lot longer of one. I really enjoyed talking to this person, but we – I could not get her off the phone. And I was like, you know, my, my, like Remy was getting so cranky. Like, you know, he was like, I was holding him and she's like, Oh, it's fine. I don't mind. I'm like, no, no, no. Like it's nap time. I really need to get off the phone. And, um, but she just kept asking questions and I really wanted to answer her questions. And I kind of kept feeling like, okay, the next one will be the last one, you know? And I, I just let it go way too long. And so I'm trying to change his diaper and like get him down for a nap. And so I was like nursing him on the call and, and normally like our diaper changing, nursing pre-nap time is like a hundred percent, you know, focused on him. Like I'm not doing other things. So I'm like sitting here on a call, like, you know, barely paying attention to him. And finally, like, I'm trying to get off the phone, but I'm like, oh my God, he needs to go down for a nap. So bad. like we are so past nap time now. He's so tired. He's like crying. And I'm just like, I just put him in his crib and I was like, just like said, like, hold on to the girl. And I was like, okay, good night. Have a good nap. And like, just walked out of the room and he totally fell asleep. But I felt so bad all day. I was like that because I don't get to say that I have to go to work. So I like to get to see him until, oh my gosh, like this morning, I guess. I don't think I saw him at all last night. Yeah. I'm trying to think like, did I wake up? No, he Adam got up with him. Anyways, so yeah, I didn't get to see him until this morning after that. And so I just like felt really guilty all day for that because I didn't get any good cuddle or bonding time after my mom fail of totally neglecting my child doing a business call. <laughs> but it's I was so pretty hard. proud that he went down for a nap That's, without that. <laughs> I feel like sometimes those experiences teach us like, oh, look what my child can do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to work in the home and out of the home and be a stay at home. I feel like we all kind of battle all three of the uh, challenges of life of stay at home yeah. mom versus working mom versus work at home mom. So yes, they're all tough. Well, thanks yeah, ladies. Absolutely. So I am going to give our, her bio, you guys might remember her by, from episode 21, and if you didn't listen to that episode, please go back and listen to it. We are going to have Erin on a little bit more regularly because we loved having her so much. So Dr. Erin Wiseman is a family medicine-trained osteopathic physician and a fierce advocate for better health and wellness, particularly among healthcare providers and working moms. She lives and practices in rural southwestern Indiana, loves her role as a farmer's wife, athlete, and mother of three, littles ages six, four, and two. Early in her medical career, Dr. Aaron realized that she was already burned out from medicine. By rising through this very difficult situation, she has come to recognize the passion of her heart, which is motivating and inspiring others. She focuses her work around like-minded women to know they are never alone in burnout and motherhood, and that help is available for those who ask. 
She lectures, video blogs, and provides personal coaching via Truth Prescriptions. She can be reached on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram, and has a new program coming out this summer called Dr. Me First. All right, let's talk about sleep. Let's do it, because we all probably are sleep-deprived. Wouldn't you say that, ladies? I'm really protective of my sleep, so I'm working on it really hard now, (laughs) although by the time this airs, I might have a little peanut, so I will probably be very sleep-deprived at that point. Yeah, I'm sleep-deprived for sure. Well, the (laughs) statistics say that um, if you meet 10 people walking down the street here in the U.S., five of them um, most certainly are are sleep deprived, meaning you're getting less than the recommendation um, as far as hours of sleep. You know, recommended time of sleep per night is eight hours. And just as we were talking before we started recording, um, Yeah, it's really hard as a mom to get that dedicated sleep time, um, especially when you have littles that are getting up. But even as your kids get older, it seems like once you get them down to bed and everybody is calm, that's like when mom mode kicks in and you're trying to get everything else that you couldn't do during the day um, together at that point. So I kind of want to just acknowledge that and just acknowledge um, with you guys too, as moms, we just need to stand up and say, yes, we need to focus more on our sleep because sleep, instead of just being like in addition to a healthy life, I really believe that it's a foundation because when you are rested well, um, when uh, you're getting the proper amount of rest and recharge from your sleep, then you can build upon that foundation of feeling good so that you do make um, the healthier food choices or that you have the motivation and energy to get up and move and do something fun. Um, and even we know that when people are not um, sleeping well, your productivity decreases, be it that you are working outside the home, working inside the home, or being a stay-at-home mom. You are just more productive when your sleep patterns are healthier. Yes. Absolutely. I notice I totally fall apart. And it's like so amazing how it's like you could be go, go, going. And it's like I'm like doing things and like, you know, getting chores done and whatnot. But it's like if I really pay attention to the chores I'm getting accomplished when I'm on good sleep versus haven't slept well, it's like half the time it's like me walking into the kitchen and being like, what was I going to do? You know, I just get so ADD and distracted when I don't have good sleep. And it's like, I feel like I'm doing things like I haven't sat down all evening, but like, I don't get jack shit to actually done. Whereas it's like, if I get good sleep, I can get like so much done. And I'll be like, Oh my God, I only took 45 minutes. Like, Holy shit. Like I just cleaned the whole house. Like what the Absolutely. Heck, you know? I mean, your focus and attention mm-hmm. is so dramatically um, driven by rest. And um, that is because if you go back to like all of our brain and our neural pathways and all that sort of thing, um, you know, you need that downtime, you know, where you can, can process through things. And that's what sleep helps us do. You know, there's several different levels of sleep. Um, you know, there's like stage one, light sleep, stage two. And then as you get deeper into sleep, you get into REM or rapid eye movement sleep. And that is really the restorative um, sleep that everybody needs. And so I know that a lot of people will, well, a couple of different scenarios. So like, you know, 
multiple interruptions to the night. You know, baby crying, needing to nurse, somebody got up because they peed the bed, dog barking at a random squirrel outside at 3 a.m. You know, like those those disjointed sleep patterns, what that does is instead of allowing your body to kind of go through those cycles where it goes through all the different stages of sleep, then you kind of come back up through them again and then you cycle back down again. It abruptly brings you out of that deeper sleep um, and kind of disrupts your like brain's rebooting pattern, I guess you could say. And caffeine actually keeps us from getting down into those deeper levels of sleep. And I know that I um, am a coffee mom as well. Um, I need it most days. But I also know that caffeine, um, it's proven in studies that it keeps you from getting to those deeper cycles of sleep down there. So that caffeine actually causes disjointed sleep because you're more alert and you're more likely to hear things when you're in deeper, you know, like when you're in your sleep rather than progressing down into the deeper um sleep mode i did not know that Um, are there ways so let's say your disjointed sleep is because of something that's out of your control like for me i have to pee a lot during the night no matter how much i try to drink my liquids in the morning and like taper down through the night i'm up to pee a lot because i'm seven seven months pregnant at this point or you know people are up to nurse a baby and or like you said the dog the squirrel all those things are there ways to help yourself get back into like get into that REM sleep a little bit more quickly or to recover to that Um, yeah definitely so um like one and I'll just you know, tell on myself one pattern pad pattern I got into, like when I would have a baby up um, to nurse is I would grab my phone. And as I was nursing, I'd be like scrolling through social media or, you know, doing work on my phone because I figured, well, I'm awake, I might as well do something. But actually, that light stimulation keeps you from returning back into sleep. Um, And so, then it would take me twice as long after, you know, nurse baby. Um, When they were real little, I would try to pump out the rest of the way, you know, and then go to bed. But the whole time I'm playing on my phone. So instead of being able to, um, you know, get back comfortable and take some deep breaths and get back into sleep, you know, my mind was going. And that's so much, um, you know, it's, it's, Pregnancy with, you know, having to get up and empty your bladder, unfortunately, it's just kind of part of it. But that's where I find a lot of people where they um, lose time where they can sleep is because they've kind of already like awakened their brain by playing on their phone or um, getting on a tablet or something. Um, because then you've got to go all the way back through into like the, that relaxation. And um, I don't remember the statistics of like the blue light, but that's significant. And I think we'll see more studies come out as we go into the future about what the um, light on our devices, um, how it's activating our brains and how it's waking us up and, and keeping us awake. But my my tips for disconjointed sleep is don't turn your phone on. Um, do the tasks that you need to do and then go back to bed. Um, you know, if you're up to go pee, don't be like, oh, I need to go start a load of laundry or, you know, oh, you know, something else like that. Like get up, go pee and then get back into bed. 
And then also, too, I know um, another tip is a lot of people um, get really freaked out. They'll look at the clock and they're like, oh, my God, it's 3.30. I'm going to have to get up in a couple hours. And then they start have anxiety about being up and not being back able to sleep. And so what I recommend for those folks is kind of just to have a practice um, as far as something you say or something you do. Um, each time before you go to bed. So it's kind of something that is is a routine for you. You know, we have bedtime routines for our kids. We bathe them, we brush our teeth. Maybe some people like will read a book or do um, a bedtime story. And, and so it's the same for us adults. We need to have some kind of routine that um, when we are awoken, that we can, you know, say a mantra, take some deep breaths, um, some reassuring sh- thoughts, and then kind of like settle back into bed. Now, it's definitely one tip that if you do get back into bed and you're not falling asleep within somewhere between like 10 and 20 minutes, that you should get back up again and then kind of restart your routine um, because there's evidence to show that you laying in bed and just flopping around actually leads to like more anxiety around sleep. Yeah, I've heard that. And I'm going to, if you don't mind, uh, add, add to your tips a little bit. Sure, um, go ahead. For getting up to the, go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, since we know light bothers us, we have our like house and bathroom set up. So it's like we have the orange night lights. And there are ones, maybe I'll make a note, Beth, we can link to them on Amazon. Super cheap. They're like 10 bucks. You stick them in and they're actually pretty bright. So it's like enough to like illuminate your bathroom. So hopefully, you know, you can see your toilet, but um, you can definitely get more, you know, lights in there if you need to. But that way you're not turning on any bright lights because I feel like that instantly wakes you up the second you do that. Um, And then I have an alarm clock. That, again, super cheap on Amazon. There's a million of these. It's like this like little like wood square thing that it doesn't show the time unless you like hit it or like make a noise. And so it's kind of nice because you don't accidentally look at the clock. Like half the time, I just don't look at the clock. The only time I was was when I was like, you know, trying to nurse Remy at only certain times. But otherwise, I don't look. So that way I just don't have anxiety about what time it is. And then the other thing is, is if I feel like I'm not going to instantly fall back asleep, like I just know pretty quickly just by, you know, listening to my body and getting, you know, accustomed to that. Um, the getting up thing, I know that there's that there's research behind that. That does not, if I get up, I'm not going back to bed. Like that does not work for me. Um, but I will, I will pull out my phone and do a meditation on it. So that's the only time you can pull out your phone. But I have it on airplane mode and I have it on my like really, really low light setting and I have my blue light filter on my phone and I just like barely open one eye just enough to open my calm app and turn on a meditation. (laughs) And I feel like that usually knocks me out pretty quickly. I just put on like a 20, 25 minute body scan and then I'll usually fall back asleep. Um, Anyways, Beth, do you have any tips that have helped you? No, definitely the big thing for me was the, like, getting, I've gotten all, like, the orange, orange nightlights and that kind of thing. So when I go check on my daughter, they are, they are bright enough. Like, we have one in the hallway bathroom that lights up the whole hallway and then one that is in my daughter's room that's plenty of light. I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot of light when you first turn the lights off, but in the middle of the night, it's like, oh, wow, I can see the whole room. So we can, like, get her to the potty with this nighttime training without a problem I definitely when I get up to pee there is it's usually the hardest part is laying there like do I really have to pee do you think I could fall back to sleep but I know (laughs) that if I just get up and go pee then I'll be able to fall right back to sleep but I like to do different breathing I might do the four seven eight breathing techniques I might do progressive relaxation where I just will be like saying in my head like 
my toes are relaxed, my feet are relaxed, and I just kind of go through and relax different parts of my body and do that. So I, I don't pull out my phone, but it's it's similar meditation techniques that I just have learned over the years. And I can, I think we've talked about some of them before, but I can link to them as well. Absolutely. Yes. Having something that you can definitely follow. And also just a, a fun side note. So that third trimester of pregnancy, those sleep patterns are actually supposed to be getting you ready for nursing. So that's what I always told myself when I was getting up in the middle of the night. I'm like, oh, I'm just doing my pre-work so I can have this little baby. I know, you know, and I got to tell you for a while, baby was so much more active at night and I was like, oh my God, this is going to be terrible, but things have calmed down and I'm getting more movement during the day and a little less at night. So I'm like, okay, because my first kid was not shifted of like night and day. Her circadian rhythms are pretty good. So I'm a little nervous about this one take off <laughs> because I go to bed at 930 every night and sleep till 730. So <laughs> maybe awesome. 630, but de- depending on the day. That's awesome. Erin, uh, I wanted to ask about the caffeine thing. Sure. Is that true even if you, like, drink it first thing in the morning? Like, if I'm having it right now at, you know, 7.45, 8 a.m.? Well, they definitely say my... to cut off caffeine by 2 p.m. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, but I will give you a caveat because mm-hmm. um, I know now my my metabolism. If I have coffee at, like, 8 in the morning... I will still feel caffeination a good 12 to 14 hours through. And that's just my body and my metabolism pathways. Um, so it's one of those you definitely need to be getting giving yourself, you know, yeah, 10 hours before bedtime. Or like I said, the recommendation is cutting caffeine off by 2 p.m. Um, but I think you kind of have to know your body, too. Mm-hmm. Um I work late shifts in the ER and you better believe that I'm having some sort of caffeine (laughs) at like five, 6 PM to get me through the rest of the night. Um, and I can feel that I can even feel that until like the next day. Um, and it's maybe, and how I feel it is that my body and my mind are feeling tired, but it's like my awakeness is kind of still there. I Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to, to describe that for people, but Um, But, and it's also, you've got to make sure that you're looking at your like caffeine doses. Mm -hmm. Like what's the strength of your coffee? Are you getting other additional caffeine sources like tea? Um, You got to remember even decaf tea, decaf coffee are not a hundred percent caffeine free. There is still some sort of, there's still just a little bit of caffeine that they can't totally extract out of that. Um, So chocolate, dark chocolate that has a bunch of caffeine in it. I know that if I like eat like a brownie or something for a snack after dinner, whew, it'll get me for sure. Um, I need to work on that. I have so I have dark chocolate like every night. <laughs> Oops. I, I I would challenge you to like cut it out and then just see how your sleep does. Cause I really didn't think about it um, until there was a couple nights that we. Like I said, we had had these dark chocolate brownies, and mm-hmm. I was like, why am I not sleeping good? You know, I was blaming it on everything else. And then when the brownie pan was gone, I was like, oh. <laughs> I want to, yeah. I'm going to, I want to touch on something here because my initial instinct to you saying cut it out is like, I don't need to. I sleep fine because I follow, I have, if I put, like, if I have a little bit of trouble, like if, I, if it's been more than 10 minutes, I'll put on a meditation and I'm, 99% of the time out before my 20 minute med- minute meditation is up, which means I'm normally falling asleep in less than 30 minutes. 
And unless Remy gets up, like I sleep through the night pretty much. But so I'm going to I'm going to like challenge my own you chat me my instinct to challenge you is that I don't feel super rested in the morning. And I think this is a really common thing is that people are like, no, 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 I sleep fine. I can fall asleep anywhere. But like, yeah. So if you're hearing any of these things and you're like, oh, I don't need this. I'm so sleep deprived. I fall asleep all the time. The quality of our our sleep matters a lot. So I think I'm going to take Erin up on her challenge and try this because maybe this dark chocolate I've been probably having every night for the last, I don't know, seven years (laughs) (laughs) is why I never really fully feel rested in the morning, even though my gut instinct is to be like, I sleep fine. Don't take away my chocolate. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I feel like when we feel that defensiveness, listen to it because it's probably there's a reason you're being defensive about it. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's probably reason that little voice is there. Because that's what I was going to say. It's maybe not evidently counting the hours that you are in bed, but it's that quality. You know, are you getting down into those deep, rapid cycles of sleep? Um, And if you're not waking up refreshed in the morning, then I would say, okay, there's definitely something going on during your sleep hours. And, And with that, I think we also need to address some medical issues that cause, you know, like I said, the caffeine's a big one. Um, Alcohol, actually, even though, you know, people will say, oh, I drink a glass of wine to help me sleep at night. You know, alcohol is a sedative on our brain. Um, So you are sedating yourself. You are not going into natural sleep. Um, You're conking yourself out with a substance. So, So it's not natural sleep. And so therefore you have increased um, episodes and cycles of like awakeness. And then it also decreases your REM sleep as well. So, um, sorry for all of those also who like to use a little bit of booze before bed, but it's, it's maybe giving you the perception that you're sleeping, but it's not giving you the quality and other things. Like I said, medically wise, I am a huge advocate for getting formalized sleep studies for people who have symptoms. And why I say that is because sleep apnea is a big deal. It has been linked to um, hypertension, high blood pressure, migraines, headaches, um, depression, heart arrhythmias, strokes, coronary artery disease. It's a big deal. And it's all because of a sleep issue. So obstructive sleep apnea is, um, you know, if you think back to like grandpa's sitting in his chair, snoring, um, crazy amounts. Um, We all have our own noises that we like to make to imitate these people, but these are the really loud snores or perhaps um, gasping, gurgling, or having like obvious pauses in breathing, which we call apneas. Um, And it's a big deal because as Americans, we're getting bigger. And this is primarily caused because of a weight and tissue issue um, in our neck and in our respiratory system. So um, you're sleeping, you're laying on your back, um, you're relaxing, you're going down into like your second stage of sleep, all your tissues start to relax and that starts to collapse in on your airways. And so in order for your body to get the oxygen it needs, it causes you to take a deeper breath. Well, that deeper breath like vibrates those tissues causing a snore or a gargle or a gasp um, to get that oxygen in. And if that continues your body is actually having to make you work while you're sleeping just to keep you breathing. 
to keep that oxygen going. So that will never allow you to get into um, deeper levels of street of sleep. It also is causing stress on your body. So you're going to re- release increased stress hormones. Um, it's causing stress on your circulatory system. So your heart. So that's why your blood pressure goes up. Well, then your blood pressure goes up um, and you're having more pressure inside your vessels, which is going to give you headaches. It's going to give you, like I mentioned, heart attacks, possibly even strokes. So it's a really big deal that um, if you are a snorer or your spouse or your significant other, you start to notice these symptoms, um, they need to be talking with their doctor about possibly giving getting a sleep study because um, going to a sleep lab and getting a sleep study, you can actually, um, they hook you up to some machines. They'll tell you how many times um, that you actually stop breathing. They'll tell you when you are gasping or snoring and they can actually show you in that data how your oxygen levels drop. And it can be pretty significant for people. It's more common in males, um, typically ages like 40 to 70. But believe me, I've had plenty of female patients who are less than 40 um, who've been diagnosed with sleep apnea. Wow. That's really interesting. I didn't know exactly why it happened. I heard that recently someone was talk. I was talking to that you really, you don't necessarily need to be overweight or obese to have sleep apnea that um are are there cases of i'm gonna call it like silent sleep apnea or is it pretty much standard everyone you know not everyone that snores has sleep apnea but it it does everyone that has sleep apnea snore is that like a pretty common thing it's definitely It's definitely a risk factor. And you have to remember, a snore is that tissue vibrating. So that air is trying to go past. And if you think of like a pipe that's a little bit pinched, it makes noises. Same thing in your airway. Um, So a snore is a very high indicator of possible sleep apnea. And as far as not being overweight, um, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll actually measure your neck circumference. So if you have a neck circumference, everybody get your... um, rulers out and if it's greater than um like 15 inches i think it's 15 and three quarters inches is the kind of the screening guideline um then you also are at risk so the rest of your body may not have that but your neck might i know that when i was pregnant with my third i snored like a chainsaw it was horrible my husband recorded me he videotaped me but it was because I had put on so much weight during that pregnancy and primarily I carry a lot of weight in my face and my neck Um, and so luckily that resolved after the pregnancy but um, it does put you at risk that's for sure because remember it's a tissue issue But there are cases of central sleep apnea where it's your brain not sending those signals out for you to sleep. And that would be more likely in people who, um, if you catch it early, those people are typically still um, pretty much of a normal weight. But as the sleep apnea progresses, these people typically pick up more weight because of the stress hormones, because of the inadequate sleep. What do they do during the day? They eat and consume more calories to stay awake. So it's kind of a vicious cycle. Yeah. And I know we just did a whole episode on, you know, weight not being a great measure, but if weight is something that you're, you have been struggling with and you're not sleeping well, I mean, that is absolutely number one thing to look at and figure out what's going on there. 
Um, what about medications? I feel like I have patients on sleep medications um, and then also nutritional clients on sleep medications and they're like, well, I can't not have them because I can't sleep. But I've always heard that like the sleep quality you get on these is not as you like, you don't get actually get the restorative sleep. Absolutely. Like similar medicines that, um, you know, the sedatives are going to be similar to alcohol. So mentioning the things like what those did, what alcohol does to you, that's similar. And again, like you said, yeah, you may be getting the hours, but are you really getting the quality? I would really encourage, um, folks to get actual sleep studies because maybe you've got something else going on um so much i find it's anxiety linked to sleep that's what people are dealing with rather than the inability to sleep like being a quote-unquote insomniac because those are actually like really strict diagnosis guidelines to be diagnosed as an insomniac um i find it's so much more it's anxiety and um, the the focus is uh, for those particular people are around sleep, around sleep patterns, you know, the spinning wheel, um, people not being able to slow that spinning wheel down before they go to bed. Um, with sleep, I mean, there are specialists, sleep specialists who this is all that they do day in and day out. And I know many of them are not prescribing any sorts of medications until you've had that proper workup because so many sleep medications are addictive um, and they do have a cumulative effect. Um, people feel like they can't get off of them because they really can't because they they are they have a chemical dependence on these medicines because then when they don't take them, they go through withdrawal and that's typically the opposite, which is like hyperstimulation and all uh, you know, nausea, vomiting, all the other things that kind of go along with um, withdrawal symptoms. And we also know um, through just some recent studies, particularly in younger um, population, is that um, when they did a head-to-head study of medications versus CBT, which is cognitive behavioral um, therapy, which is similar to like the meditation and that sort of thing, working with the therapist, you get pretty similar results um, doing one or the other. Um People tend to do a little bit better if if they are self-engaged and they picked doing the cognitive behavioral therapy and they really buy into it. Um, so I think it's interesting. You know, it's kind of the whole mind over matter. Um, if you are able to modify your thinking processes, it may be just as good as a pill. I, yeah, I love that. And what I want to acknowledge here, and I mean, we've kind of said indirectly, is that if sleep is an issue, if if you know anxiety is an issue for you, like you, you're like, yes, those racing thoughts, that spinning wheel, I can't turn it off. This is not a short-term solution. This is not like, oh, okay, tonight just listen to a meditation. I'm going to magically fall asleep. This is long-term work, but it's worth it. So get support through this. This is not... Yeah, I don't think there's going to be any one magic, you know, intervention for this. So I think just acknowledging that this is going to be a long journey, but it's absolutely worth it for your life and for your health is just a really important thing. Well, and I think we have to remember, too, like life comes in seasons. There's times when um, you're not going to be able to sleep, um, like with a newborn. Um, But but there you just have to know to look ahead and say this is going to change, too. Um, and so if you're actively making, um, decisions to try to make better sleep patterns, it's not going to start overnight. Just like you start any kind of routine. It's, it's not, you're not going to go to bed tonight and feel like a million bucks tomorrow just because of one, one night of sleep. But I think it's the active pursuit of being like, 
okay, I am going to get intentional about getting to bed at a proper time. I'm going to make sure that I'm getting off of my screen. I'm going to look at my sources of caffeine, um, all of that kind of stuff. That was so helpful. And I just kind of wanted to wrap up sort of all the the kind of tips into one final conclusion. So we talked a lot about how important sleep is, but really, we don't want anyone to stress about sleep. It's feel like that's the bottom line of everything we talk about. It's not about stressing about it. It's about being aware that it's something that's a challenge for you, trying to set up a routine so that you can sleep a little bit more, maybe get a standard bedtime if you can do that. Be mindful of the caffeine and alcohol intake, especially as you get closer to bedtime, but even earlier in the day, set up your environment in a way where you're not disrupted by different lights or sounds or other distractions. And if you really are continuing to have struggles with sleep, then you should find a provider and maybe get some testing done and see what might be impacting that. Do you have anything else to add, Erin? No, I think that was a great conclusion, and I hope everybody can catch some more Z's tonight. Thank you for joining us today. That's a wrap. For more from Erin, you can find her on Facebook at Truth Prescriptions with Dr. Erin Weissman, and I will link to that in the show notes. Follow Andrea and I on social media for news, updates, and calls for questions. You can find me, Beth, at Feeds of Real Eats, and Andrea at Dr. Andrea Moore on Instagram and Facebook. Please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode and write us a review. Show notes for this episode and all podcast-related information can be found at realmomsreallife.com. You have to take a nap yeah. as a mother with small children, especially and, when yeah. Or when you're when you're tired, you're tired. You know, like there's a reason you are tired. But my caveat is is don't then stay up to 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. like Take that nap, get up, do the rest of your afternoon, evening, and then proceed back to your, your bedtime.